Father, indeed, we come this morning recognizing this is your world. You have fashioned it for your glory. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we come this morning under your word, pray in Christ, and for those who maybe are here that don't know you, we pray for them, we pray that today that you would help them see the glories and the wonders of your Son, Jesus Christ, that he is worthy, that he is the most glorious, most wondrous and the, most one, the one who is most worthy to be treasured above all things, whatever this world may present before us, none are above Christ. And so help us, help each of us to, to lift up Christ this morning, that he would be treasured in our hearts. And that you would help us as we look out over this, this week, and over even this year, or this coming year, 2022, may you help us to see that our lives are not our own, that we would not think that the direction and even the things that happen in our life and everything else, that we are Lord over all these things, but instead that we would see that you are God and you have made us and our lives are indeed not our own. And everything we have is from you. Grace. Every breath a mercy. And so help us today, this morning, this Lord's Day. We pray that you would strengthen us. You would strengthen weak knees here. Those who come and barely came this morning perhaps. We pray that you would help us. As we look out over the next year, may you help us and mature us and grow us even. We pray that you would lead us in your word and in your ways. And so help us to gladly then this morning to eat up your word, receive it, and take it up wholly and live it out. For your name's sake, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Galatians. And so Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We pick this book back up, this letter to the Galatians. I think very fittingly, as we'll see here in a little bit, the day after Christmas, you know, where I'm sure many of you Perhaps it's a bit of a struggle. You have this whole month and you just are looking forward to celebrating and worshiping Christ and lifting up the name of Christ. And then it comes and then the next day, you know, oh man, it just comes all back down. Well, I would urge us even with that, that we would continue with those emotions this morning. We would continue with the the heights of rejoicing and continue with the gladness still in our hearts 
and rejoicing over the birth of Christ, even the person of Christ. And so the passage here this morning, after we've had such a day as we've had yesterday, rejoicing in the birth of Christ, it does not call us then to pause all of that and say, you know, all right, we did that at Christmas time, let's move on. <laughs> it's not going to call us to do that. But we're going to be called to continue to lift it up and lift up the glorious truth that Christ came for us and lift it up again. And yet at the same time, it might and even does also and should even also prepare us for this week as we ring in the new year as well. So it sets before us then not a list of rules, of diets that we may need to have or take on or resolutions that we must keep before God will accept us, but it sets before us solely and only Christ. And so he is enough. And so as we see that, let's see that this morning. And so let's see this then beginning with Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. So Galatians 3, 21. May the Spirit illumine and illuminate his word this morning. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he has a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. 
So thus far, as we've been walking through the letter to the Galatians, we have seen that Paul, he has been laboring, and he has been laboring hard for you and for me and for us. His words, they are words that are on fire. Whereas the famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, who lived in the 1800s, he said of the faithful preaching of God's word, he said it is logic on fire. Well, Paul, in his words here, they are logic on fire. Where he's declaring passionately, thoughtfully, attentively, that there is only one way to God for sinners, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is pouring it all out. Loving God with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. And so his words here, they are meant certainly to stir us up. And they're meant to stamp themselves upon our hearts and upon our minds. Both. And if you've been here walking through this letter, you have felt that. How his word, God's word, has tried us and tried our hearts, tried our minds. And so we have been tried and we will indeed face what Paul warns of here in this letter. And I would say that we will face it even often, even very often. And I would even say perhaps even today, you have faced it already. Is that, what is it that we may have faced? Well, it's the threat of all variety of ways that this can come at us, whether it be emotionally and logically, hearing and doctrinally, but the threat of a works-based salvation. It may even be behind our aims, you know, why we go around You know, from week to week and day to day, feeling guilty and we feel defeated. Why we maybe even come to church. This is why we're we're coming is because because perhaps if I if I continue going, maybe God will see that, he'll be pleased, and then he'll accept me. If I just work hard enough. And it could be even behind why we make lists for the new year even. Well, maybe if I just get my act together, finally, (laughs) maybe I get this body in shape, maybe then God will be pleased with me. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I I do that too. (laughs) You know, I, I I make lists, I make goals, you know, I make aims too, and I will be making them for this new year. (laughs) I've already made some of them. And so it, it's not bad to do that in and of itself. And even I would spur you on to do that. I would encourage you to do that to the glory of God. But the question is, as we do all these things, is why? Why are we doing it? Why are we doing what we are doing? And so Paul 
This is where he has us squirm, perhaps not a little bit, but a lot as we come to the letter of Galatians. He will not let us leave these, this room. He will not let us leave these verses without having to face down our hearts as it tries to wiggle its way out of it. No, no, no. Maybe I'm not doing that to try to you know, earn God's favor. And he's saying, no, you've got to deal with yourself. I want you to examine your heart, to examine your life, and to ask, are we then only chiseling out new rules and doing all these things, trying to gain salvation, trying to gain God's favor, rather than looking wholly and completely and solely to Christ and to Christ alone as our hope. And so face down your heart this morning. We need to do this this morning. And we need to consider the words of God. This could be you. And so don't take for granted how blinding sin is to our hearts. It is so easy. And I would even say that perhaps for us as Christians and within the church, it is perhaps a lot easier for us than most people to see other people's problems and to see other people's sins and to see other people's struggles while we are blind to our own. Like everybody else kind of sees it around us, but we're just like, I'm all good, you know? Nothing wrong with me here. We might be like a boy you know, who sees everyone, you know, running the other direction and we hear, we hear them crying, you know, tsunami! And we take no heed to it because, you know, we haven't seen it yet. Well, I'm, you know, I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen that in me yet, so I'm not going to listen to anybody else until I see it myself. Well, if we're not careful, that wave will come and it will just overtake us. So I want to urge us and even plead with us that we would take to heart God's word here this morning in the letter to the Galatians. And so we need to be warned. And Paul, he has been sounding that alarm again and again and again here in this letter. And so here he provides in our verses, in our passage here in chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, a contrast. He provides a contrast between two different people or even two different groups in the first group they're slaves they're slaves so verses one through three and i think it's right for you to write down there slaves rather than children so he's he's of course talking about children here in verses 1 through 3. But he's saying that they are essentially slaves. That they are akin to slaves. And so he uses this illustration here in verses 1 through 2 of how a child in Paul's day 
may have been an heir to the household. But as a child, and because they are still a child, they were essentially akin to a slave. So they might own everything, like they're heirs of everything. They might own an island even, but they were still under managers and guardians. Okay? Great. <laughs> that's, that's a nice illustration and all, but what in the world does that mean? Okay? So what is he, what is he talking about here? Well, he isn't just giving us kind of a nice, interesting example. He's applying what he has been saying really throughout the letter, but especially in chapter 3. And so he's using this illustration to say that we were, that is, if you are in Christ now, we were enslaved under the law. We were enslaved under the law. And so these children then, these children were slaves. And their guardians, their managers, was the law. And so we see this from what Paul said before in chapter 3. So let's look at that. So we see it in chapter 3, verses 21 through 29. And more specifically in verse 22, it says this. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. And by scripture, it's talking about the law. And then in chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may be justified by faith. And so the law was like a prison warden. It was keeping you in jail. And even more, it was like, you know, it was like a finger. It was putting a finger on your and my sin. And it still does that. It magnifies the depth of your and my depravity. The depth of our sin. The depth of our lostness. The depth of our need for a Savior. And so his illustration here shows that we were enslaved under the law and that we were enslaved to the world. We were enslaved to the world. And we see that specifically in verse 3. So when we were children, we were lost. And so this slavery... It runs in two different directions here. And so the Jews, they were slaves and they were condemned under the law. And the Gentiles, non-Jews, they were enslaved and they were condemned under their pagan belief according to the law. And so the law condemns and or condemned and condemns both. And so apart from faith in Christ, there is absolutely no hope at all. So in other words, a life of legalism is a dreadful, no-life life. You know, even today, like today, like this very day, 
You know, people woke up, and they've been waking up, and people all around the world have woke up, and, and they, day after day, all of the world, they wake up and they take up their chains. They go to work, they go to church, or if they hold to some other religion, they go to this false religion, a temple or mosque or synagogue, and they go there, they go to restaurants, and they go to the grocery store, and they go there, and they are enslaved. And they are slaves. And they are condemned. Now recently, as you can imagine, as you may have done as well, we watched a version of A Christmas Carol. There's like a million versions out there, right? You know the story, and you'll likely remember the scene. So after coming home on Christmas Eve, greedy, stingy Scrooge, he finds his deceased business partner, you know, Jacob Marley. But not, not there on the ground, but, you know, as like a spirit or as a ghost. And so Marley, he comes to Scrooge as a ghost, warning him essentially to what? To repent. Yet there he is as he comes before Scrooge, wrapped in chains and absolutely suffering immensely as judgment from his self-consumed, self-seeking life. Well, many people right now are like that. They wake up and they are taking up their chains. The world system, the devil, sin only sell more links for their chains. And so they hear from the world, they hear it being cried out, well, why don't you try this religion? Maybe, maybe this will finally help you know God. If you do this and this and this, or try this newfangled you know, spirituality, we have a whole slew of them, even a buffet, just choose one. Or why don't you try this kind of you know, wacky spiritual guru that just came around the corner. Maybe he'll have some answers for you. And I think those are probably the obvious ones that the world kind of sets before us, but sometimes it may be less obvious. It may be, you know, try this diet. Lift up your body as your God. Lift up your children as your God. Add more technology. Add more social media. Look to pleasure. Look to pornography. Look to video games. Look to drugs. Look to alcohol. Be hip. Be cool. You know, be funny. Look to Bibleless, gospelless counsel. Look to self help. Look to all these various things. And so one thing after another, they set before us all variety of ways. 
and we can be enslaved. And so there are countless ways to be enslaved. But there is only one way to be saved. And that is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. It is not in, in us and it is not from us, but it is from Him who came for us to redeem us and to save us. And so we have then that first group, the slaves, those enslaved, those condemned under the law, and then we come then to the second group. And the second group is this. These are sons. These are sons. Now the use of that word there, sons, or son, that's not an accident. Now, as you hear that, this isn't saying, okay, well, if you're a woman, no hope for you. <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what Paul is saying here. You know, only sons allowed, which that's true. <laughs> but this isn't saying only men can be saved. This word, it included or includes women as well. But the wording matters. And we cannot translate this otherwise. So if someone comes along and says, sons and daughters, no. Or they just put, you know, all you guys or whatever, however they might translate it. The answer is no. Paul, he is drawing here from Old Testament language. And language from that day to make clear that the inheritance, it goes to who it goes to. It goes to sons. They were the ones who received the inheritance. So in other words, you want to be a son. If you're not a son, you are not a child of God. Instead, you're part of that first group. You are a slave, condemned, enslaved. And so what did God do? God sent His Son that you might be His sons. It wasn't left to you or to me. There was absolutely nothing that we could do to save ourselves. So at the right time, verse 5, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Jesus was born. And like I said, we're not going to get away from Christmas today. We come to Christmas here. And we'll continue to lift up Christ and the birth of Christ every day throughout the year to the glory of God. Amen. Him who came for us. So he was born of the born a man. He was born 
of Mary, flesh and blood, that he was and is the great I am. Born under the law, born without a sin nature, born to live the life that we absolutely could never live. He really walked the streets. He walked this earth, the one who made all things. He came and he dwelt among us. He came to redeem slaves, boys, girls, men, women, young, old, any, all who would look to him by faith. Redemption has come in Christ. Yet this would mean he must die. And he was born to die. And he did that. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for us. Not because you have a healthy body or an unhealthy one. Not because you walk and you present yourself as though you have no sin. Not because you are absolutely at the bottom of the barrel like you have sinned and you have sinned greatly. But he saved you because of grace and he came to save sinners because he loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you've not done, Christ came to redeem you. How deep indeed is the Father's love for us. And all of this, all of this was God orchestrated. God orchestrated. Verse 4, when the fullness of time had come. And we need to see this. And we need to confess this. And we need to believe this in our day. Our planet, this universe, the 200 billion plus galaxies, they are not just going about and doing all that they're doing in chaos and chance and meaninglessness. God is over it all. He orchestrated all of history such that he might come to save you, to save us. Grace, grace, grace is what saves. Apart from God, nothing. Our lives, your life is in his hands. And I urge you and I would encourage you this morning to let that humble you. Let that cause you to see his lavish love 
to see his inestimable mercy, to see that he loves you so much that he sent his son to redeem you and to make you his sons. Such that in Christ you are no longer a slave. In Christ you are no longer a slave. Friends, you have no more chains if you know Jesus Christ. You do not wake up in the morning and bear chains and take them up. You wake up free and freed in Christ. You are no longer in need of carrying those. And you don't need to take them up again. This very morning, may you cease thinking that God, he stands over you in anger, in judgment, in condemnation. If you are in Christ, he sees you as his. He sees Christ when he sees you. No condemnation, no judgment, peace with God forever. Reason to rejoice. So men, boys, if you know Christ, you are his sons. Women, girls, if you know Christ, as strange as it sounds, you are his sons. You are sons of the Most High. You know, when I first came to faith in Christ, I remember just waking up in the morning and just being amazed and really at times having to just kind of pinch myself and just ask, you know, is, is this really true? You know, am I really his? Did he really, did he really save me even though I did all this stuff? Even though I sinned so greatly against God. And the answer was yes. Yes, my sins are forgiven. Yes, he is mine and I am his. And I just wondered at all these things. What glory. I am his child. And as we see this, we see that God was involved in this whole thing. The triune God was involved in your salvation. We see the Trinity in these verses. Our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So through the Son, by the Spirit of God, as a now redeemed believer in Christ, I then cried out, Abba, Father. And if you know Christ, and if you know Christ, you know the Father, and by the Spirit of God, you also cry out, Abba, Father, because you know Him.
and you belong to him. And no one will ever snatch you out of his hand. And so the spirit, by the grace of God, as we see here and even in the passage that Mike read a moment ago, he comes and he comes to us and confirms our sonship experientially. Abba, Father, and he also does this in your life, which Paul will go on to show us here in Galatians 5 as well. We see how gracious our God is. And so we need to see, as we see this truth that we are sons, that you are a son here if you know Christ, we need to just wonder at this this morning and see how wonderful this truth is. As a son, here is what is yours. Everything. Everything is Yours as a son of God in Christ. Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So do not be fooled by this world, saints. What it offers you are chains, but what Christ offers you is freedom and sonship forever. For all eternity, all is yours. You are not missing out. <laughs> you are not missing out by saying no to the world, no to sin, and no to that defeated enemy, the devil. So do not fool. Remember who you belong to. Remember what you have. And so in Christ, we are no longer Slaves and in Christ, second, you are part of a family. You are part of a family. Now, you may have grown up in a family that failed you and perhaps even failed you miserably. And not just dad, but mom too. Maybe you barely survived to make it to today. Maybe they haven't been there. Maybe that's even still true of some of you. But know this, that you are part of God's family and you have a family who will never fail you nor forsake you. A God who will never fail you nor forsake you. And you are His forever. But as we see this, there's another kind of implication here that we may not often think about of this point here of, of adoption. 
as believers, we above all have reason to consider adoption. And I'm not talking about exactly what he's saying here. What I'm talking about is adopting like as in children. God, he adopted us and adoption today images that picture too. If we're really trying to get down dirty and apply these verses, then this is an application as well. Is that we as believers in the world need to ask ourselves and even consider perhaps God may be calling me to go and adopt someone out there. There are many children right now all over the world who are in need of parents. It will not be easy. In fact, it will be most it will be costly. People might give you weird looks, and I would probably guarantee you they'll give you weird looks. But with adoption, we don't have second kind of tier children. Adopted children are our children just as much as blood children are. Where do I get that? This is what we see here, don't we? That Jew or Gentile, if you are in Christ, you are God's child. You are a son of God, period. Heirs of the promise made to Abraham. So it may be Maybe that's an odd application for you this morning, but we need to apply it. Maybe God is calling you to consider whether you need to apply this imagery of adoption for yourself. Is God calling you? He doesn't call everyone. Maybe he's calling you to go and adopt a child and image the gospel to the world. So we in Christ are part of a family and then lastly in Christ you can be free today you can be free today now as you've heard this letter and as you're hearing this letter and as we've been walking through this letter maybe you've realized that you're not a son but you're part of that other group that you are still a slave, that you have chains on right now, that this morning you did wake up and you did put on your chains and you did come here this morning. And if you don't know Christ this morning, that is you. You do bear those chains. John Wesley you may know this, or maybe you have heard of this or not, but he, he realized this as well. So before he, him and his brother, they founded what you may have known uh, know of, the denomination Methodism. Before they founded all that, they both were deceived. They thought that they were saved, even though they were doing 
all kinds of things that they thought were they were doing for the Lord. Maybe that's you. That's what Paul is warning of. He's saying that you can do all sorts of things and think that you know God and you don't. Well, they were doing that. So John, Wesley, he went out and he went and visited inmates in prison. He went out and he helped the poor and the downtrodden. He went and prayed and he fasted. And him and his brother even made a holy club where they were going to get serious about memorizing scripture, get serious about getting in the word of God, get serious about praying, get serious about fasting, get serious about the word of God. And they did all that. And he even spent years as a missionary in America to Indians. And yet, this is what he wrote in his journal. I, who went to America to convert others, was never myself converted to God. He did all those things. They were doing all these things, and they did not know Jesus Christ. So this is not like a pie-in-the-sky warning. This is real. And this happens. And there are many in the church today who are John, who are Charles, Wesley. It was only later after returning to England that he saw the glorious truth that Jesus was enough. It was only through Christ that he might be saved and made no longer a slave, but a son and freed in his forever. And so it was that as Wesley looked back on his lost state, he wrote this, that he had the faith of a servant, though not that of a son. He was a slave. He did not know God in all those things he did. Well, could it be that you are still a slave this morning? question we need to ask ourselves and as you do let me tell you this you do not need more rules you do not need more resolutions you do not need cool cool trends and false spiritualities and false religion you do not need false hopes because the world has plenty of those. What you need is Christ. And through faith in him, God promises that you might be a son today. And you can be a son today by looking by faith to Christ who came and lived died on the cross for your sins for my sins was buried and rose again and you will be declared before God by faith in Christ today by looking to him justified 
righteous, the Son of God. May you and may we realize these things. May we consider ourselves. May you consider yourself. And may we take up God's word today. May you put away your chains and see wonder of wonders that you are sons and heirs through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come today and we thank you this day after Christmas. We are continuing to rejoice in the one who came to redeem us. We thank you for the redemption found in Christ that through faith in him that we are sons. We wonder at this. We thank you for this. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, and that by your spirit, you opened our eyes and we saw the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we pray today you'd help us to take hold of these truths that we are no longer slaves, that we are sons. And that whatever may be going on in our world or around us, that we belong to you. We pray that if anyone here does not know you this morning, that they may see the glory, the wonder, the treasure of Christ, and they would put their faith in him. And all their chains would be gone. And so we pray that you would work in our hearts this morning and help us to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, examine our lives. And by your spirit, may you do that. And so help us as we respond in song, as it means coming forward and simply coming to these steps and praying or praying in our seats or coming in to me and praying with me or if it means crying out to God to save us. May we do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.